a little boy uh, stole a bunch of plywood. And his mom was so shocked, she took him to the local Catholic priest to confess his sins. The priest sat him down. He said to the little fellow, well, son, what did you do with the plywood? He said, sir, I built a birdhouse. The priest said, well, that's not too serious. Then he said, I built a doghouse. He said, oh, well, that's a little more serious. He said, then my dad and I built a garage. He said, oh, that's very serious. In fact, that's so serious, you are going to have to make penance. Do you know what penance is? He said, no, sir, I don't. But if you have the plans, I have the plywood. (laughs) You know, we're all building something, aren't we? Every one of us. We're building character in our lives. We're building marriages. We're building families. Every one of us is building something. And every church is building something. Some churches are building a comfortable pew. The comfortable pew doesn't require anything from people but to feel good. They don't call people to the cross. They don't call people to discipleship, to the functional lordship of Jesus, to mission, to generosity, just to feeling good. Some churches are building a cultural pew. It's more important to affirm cultural values than it is to establish biblical values. The powerful, active, living word of God has been replaced by cultural relevance and popular opinion. But thankfully, Jesus is building something. Something that will change the world and last forever. It's called the local church. Today we're going to install Elmer Chen as an elder of this particular local church. But before we do, I want to share three thoughts with you. Maybe it'll only be two. We'll see how the time goes. But three clear thoughts about the church, irrespective of nation, language, culture, or form. So if you would turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? You know, that's the most important question you can answer. If you're online or you're here this morning and you're a skeptic, or you're inquiring about Christianity and the things of faith and who Jesus Christ is, or maybe you're a young person and you've grown up in the church culture and in a church family, this question is the most important question that you will have to answer. Jesus is saying you today, who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, 
And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then Jesus strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Three clear things Jesus says about the church here. The first one is this. The church is people. In verse 18, he says, you are Peter, a person. And on this rock, I will build my church. And this word church is the Greek word ekklesia. It means the called out ones. It's people, not bricks and mortar. So the church is not a building. It's a people. Now, we all know that, but I'm always shocked at how many people still refer to the building as the church. And the church is not an activity, it's an identity. We don't go to church, we are the church. And the church is not an organization, it's a living organism, alive. And it's not an option If you want to follow Jesus. You know we've been through a rough period. The last two years as the church. Shut down. A lot of people checked out. Disengaged. And a lot of people are not coming back. Now that's not true here. Because you've actually grown during COVID. But a lot of other churches across our nation. People have checked out. You can't follow Jesus. Without being part of his church. And of course, it's not just any people. It's a people with a divine revelation of who Jesus Christ is. He's the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That's why Jesus says in verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because you didn't get this by your own flesh and blood. It was our Father in heaven who brought a revelation of who you are. So the church is a people with a divine revelation of who Jesus is and a people who are committed to obediently following Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that these people are from every tribe and nation, every ethnos. Revelation 5 says, Worthy are you, Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you've redeemed people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, And every people. Now here's the challenge with the church. It's people. Someone has said, the church would be a great place if it wasn't for all the people. Well, that's not an option because that's what the definition of the church is. You know, I was exhausted one evening a number of years ago. I came home from work and I just flopped on the couch and I had to make a bunch of phone calls to members. And so I was on the phone exhausted and I heard myself instead of saying a group of people, I heard myself say a poop of greeple. And I was so tired, I thought, did I just say that? No, I couldn't have just said that. I'm just going to let it go. Mary was in the next room. She poked her head around the corner and said, did you just say a poop of greeple? 
and she howled with laughter. Well, it's become like a meme in our family ever since. But there's truth in that blooper. A poop of Greeple, the truth is this, wherever there's people, there's poop. (laughs) You probably won't remember a lot from this sermon, but I guarantee you'll probably remember that. Because wherever there's people, there's problems. And the local church, local church is no exception. You see, there's no perfect people. And there won't be until Christ returns. But we have a perfect builder. And he said, I will build my church. Jesus didn't say, I have built my church. We are a work in progress. Jesus is building his church. And Jesus is not building alone. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Jesus also uses his equipping gifts and his elders to build the church. And Jesus uses you to build the church. And the Bible says, take care how you build. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10, the Apostle Paul says this, According to the grace God has given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how you build. Jesus has the plans and you have the plywood. You are helping to build the church. Why don't you turn to a neighbor and say, you are helping to build the church. The church is people obediently following Jesus, people with a divine revelation of who he is, and we are building with Jesus as he builds the church. Now, here's the first application. Because the church is imperfect people, it's only a matter of time till you will rub or be rubbed the wrong way. When trouble, trials, testing come, and they will, is your first response to blame others or to ask Jesus, Lord, what are you touching in my life? It's the difference between pointing your finger and looking in the mirror for sanctification. Now, we have four daughters, four adult daughters. We have two grandsons. And uh, years ago, uh, two of our daughters were in a heated argument. They were really going at each other. And I happened to come in the room, and uh, I heard the one. I said, what, what, what's wrong, girls? What's, what's going on? And the one daughter says this, she irritates me. She frustrates me. She makes me so angry. So I listened for a while as she ranted, pointing the finger at her sister because it was all her sister's fault. And I said, after she'd finished her rant, you know, Jesus doesn't agree with you. What? I said, Jesus. Jesus wouldn't agree with what you've just said. She was confused. She said, what do you mean? 
I said, well, let's look what Jesus said in Matthew 15. So we got the Bible out and we looked at it. Matthew 15, verse 11 and verse 18. And Jesus said this, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles us, but it's what comes out that defiles us because it comes out of the heart. I said, you know, it's not what other people do to you that corrupts you. It's your reaction to what people do. That's what Jesus said corrupts you because that reaction's coming out of your heart, out of pride and arrogance and all the bad things that we can carry around in our hearts. Well, that was a revelation for that daughter. A light went on. Keep love, forgiveness, and a refusal to get offended at the very heart of your commitment to Jesus and to his church. Remember, life is not, first of all, about being happy. It's about being holy. And take your place in the local church. Take your place in building the local church. Don't stay on the fringes of the church. Engage. Get involved. Give yourself away. Serve. Give. Join a small group. That's what the local church is all about. The second truth is the church belongs to Jesus. Verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus didn't say, I'll build your church or I'll build our church. He said, I will build my church. Why could Jesus say, my church? Because Jesus died for the church and purchased the church with his own blood. Acts 20, verse 28, the Apostle Paul is, is uh, talking, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. We're going to talk about that verse in a minute. To care for the church of God, which he, Jesus, obtained with his own blood. There's only one church with millions and millions of local expressions and every local church belongs to Jesus. Doesn't belong to me. Doesn't belong to the pastors. Doesn't belong to the elders. Doesn't belong to the deacon. Doesn't belong to the volunteers. It belongs to Christ. It's his church. He owns it. And he is the living head of the church. Not a figurehead. He's the living head. That's why hearing and obeying Jesus is absolutely essential. Not only did Jesus die for the church and purchase the church with his blood, but Jesus loves the church. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25, the scripture says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This January, Mary and I will celebrate 43 years of marriage. absolute bliss <laughs> most of the time 43 years but I vividly remember the night before we got married in Vancouver 
I remember going over the vows and I came to this verse, Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And I saw what husband's responsibility was. But the thing that hit me, the revelation that gripped me that night was how much Jesus loves his bride, the church. And gave everything, gave himself up for her. The church is Jesus' bride. Revelation 19 says, There is a day coming when the marriage of the Lamb will come. And the bride will have made herself ready. Jesus passionately loves the church. And he's jealous for the church. Look around. Go ahead. You can do that. Look around. (laughs) Take a look at the bride of Christ. At least a portion of it. Jesus passionately loves you. He's passionately jealous for you. There's only one church. It's his church. Millions of local expressions all over the globe. And Jesus purchased every one of them with his own blood. And he is jealously, passionately in love with his bride. Now here's the second challenge of the church. It belongs to Jesus. Jesus owns it. He's passionately, jealously in love with his church. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I can't stand his church. No, no, Jesus doesn't buy that. If somebody said to me, you know, Ron, I really like you, but I don't like Mary. I would have nothing to do with them. You cannot say, oh, I don't want anything to do with the church if you want to follow Jesus, if you love Jesus, because that's who he's committed to, his local church. Jesus wants us to love his church and teach our children to love his church. That's why in John 17, when Jesus is praying, he said, Father, I pray that they may be one as we are one. This should affect how we talk about the church, how we treat the church, how we pray for the church, how we serve the church, every part of the church, not just the part we agree with. And be very careful how you treat the church. In Acts chapter 9, Saul had persecuted the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. And he was on his way to Damascus to do the same. And on the road to Damascus, there was a bright light. He fell down and a voice spoke out from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now Jesus had ascended into heaven. Saul wasn't persecuting him. Saul was persecuting the followers. And so so Saul said, Lord, who are you? And Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Jesus so totally and completely identifies with his church. When we touch the church, we touch Jesus. How we treat the church is how we treat Jesus. 
Because the Bible says we are literally the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. It doesn't say we're like the body of Christ. We're a reasonable facsimile of the body of Christ. It says you are the body of Christ. Literally, we're the hands of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. The voice of Jesus. The ears of Jesus. The eyes of Jesus. The church belongs to Jesus, purchased with his blood, and he is passionately in love with the church. Here's the second application. Do you love Jesus' church the way you love Jesus? And if not, why not? Have you been hurt? Misunderstood? Taken offense? Have you hardened your heart in any way to the bride of Christ? Are there any saints, leaders, pastors that you need to forgive or release? If you resent them, you resent Jesus. Remember, Life is not, first of all, about being happy. It's about being holy. Maybe Jesus has allowed or even authored your situation or your suffering to meet you in a powerful and profound way and make you more like himself. Um, Several years ago, I had a dream I call it the spiral tunnel dream. Do any of you know where the spiral tunnel is? You're prairie people, that's why. (laughs) Right in the border of Alberta and British Columbia between Lake Louise and Field, B.C., because it's right in the middle of the Rockies and the steep, the, the grades are so steep, the train can't get up the mountain. And so the engineers created this amazing phenomena called the spiral tunnel. It's actually a tourist attraction right there by the highway. And uh, what they did was the train goes in way below the, the highway into the mountain in this tunnel. And then it spirals around inside the mountain and comes up way above the highway up here. And the grades in there are nice and gentle. Train's able to do it. So I lay down for a nap one day and I have a dream about the spiral tunnel. Now I've been there many times so I know exactly what it is. In fact, it felt like I was there. I could feel the grass and see and smell everything. It was so real. And in this dream I'm standing there and suddenly this voice says, you will come out on higher ground and I was instantly thrust into this tunnel that was pitch black. And it was black because it spirals around. You can't see the end. And so into this blackness I go, I woke up out of this sleep. I thought, dear God, what have I just seen? And so I wrote it down. Date, spiral tunnel, word, you will come out on higher ground. And I knew It was a preparation. It was a warning of something that was coming. Sure enough, shortly after the dream, some people in our church rose up against our leadership with legitimate concerns. All good people, great people, some of them longtime friends. 
We weren't doing everything right or even well by any means as leaders. And these people rose up and and came against the leadership. And we just felt we couldn't abdicate our leadership. We had to be true to what God was calling us to. But it was a very difficult and, and painful time. The criticisms and the negativity got out of hand. And the devil used it to really wreak havoc in, in some of the people's lives. It was one of the hardest times in my life. I felt like quitting. Days, there were days I just thought, I, I just want to walk away from this. But that word kept coming back to me. You will come out on higher ground. And I can thankfully say by the grace of God that he has brought good through this. He's brought healing through it. He's brought restoration with the people through it. But here's the point I want to make. Our four daughters watched us go through this pain. And Mary and I knew if we did not handle this right, if we got bitter and resentful, and we, and we responded wrongly. Not only would it turn our daughters bitter towards the church, they probably would have walked away from their faith. And so Mary and I embraced the sovereignty of God in this and the dealings of the Lord in our own hearts. We prayed we would become more like Jesus through this and that the fear of the Lord would saturate us. We forgave and we asked for forgiveness. We gave thanks. We blessed. We sought to do good like Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. And by the grace of God, we came out better, not bitter. Jesus used this to actually make us more like him and to make us fall in love more with the church, not less. Jesus did a great work of sanctification in our hearts. And by the grace of God, our four daughters came through this without being scarred or resentful. All four daughters loved the church and all four daughters are serving the church today how we how we treat and relate to the church doesn't just affect us it affects the generations after us do you love the church the local church The one you're rubbing and being rubbed against. Because the local church is the one Jesus is walking among. Revelation 2 and 3 say he's walking among the candlesticks. The last two years have been really tough on the church. Really tough. Probably the hardest time in my 45 years of ministry in the church the last two years, what we've gone through as a nation have probably been the most difficult time for pastors and for everybody else in the church. The fighting over things, the the, the division, the disunity, the pastors that have walked away from the church said, that's enough, I've just had enough. The number of pastors who have resigned, the vacancies that are 
that are needed for leaders in the local church. It's been a rough time. And I think one of the reasons it was so difficult is because we didn't have a theology of the local church. It was a habit. We went to church. We were part of a church. We attended a church. But there wasn't a biblical deep theology saying, no, this is the church. This is the one Jesus died for. This is the one Jesus is passionate about. This is who you are. This is how you relate. This is how you're connected as the church. And so people just went their own ways. There are thousands and thousands of people in Canada who are done with the church. They're called dunners. They actually have a designation. They're dunners. I still love Jesus, but I'm done with the church. I'm sorry, that doesn't work. And I think there's a great harvest coming of those people before Jesus returns. He's going to gather his people back in. And let's make the church Such a lovable place, such a passionate place, such a place that's so filled with the presence of God and freedom and liberty and gifts and grace and fruit of the Holy Spirit that people won't be able to stay away from us. Jesus is at work. He made a vow, a promise. I will build my church And I don't have time to talk about the gates of hell not prevailing against the church. But we know it won't. And you are helping Jesus to build his church here at Calvary Chapel. Amen.